Welcome to the Cornell Tech at Bloomberg podcast, in which we bring you conversations we've had during our monthly speaker series held at Bloomberg's global headquarters in New York City. Cornell Tech at Bloomberg brings together students from Cornell Tech, Bloomberg employees, and members of New York's technology community to hear from entrepreneurs, investors, and thought leaders, luminaries from the global technology sector. Gen Z is hyper aware of mental health and how social media can stifle their creative expression, their process, and their choices about what they want to share with the world. Sitting at the intersection of art and technology, Visco has built a community where people can share how they see the world, all without likes, comments, or follower accounts. I'm Scarlett Fu with Bloomberg News, and in this episode, we chat with Visco co-founder and CEO Joel Flory about his background as a commercial and wedding photographer, Visco's rapid growth, its unique position in a landscape of Snapchat filters and Instagram influencers, as well as the power of community and creativity. Hi, everyone. It's back to school, and it's back to a new season of Cornell Tech at Bloomberg. Welcome back, and it's great to see you all here. Thank you for joining us today. Our guest today is Visco co-founder and CEO Joel Flory. Uh, Visco is an acronym for Visual Supply Company. So VSCO becomes Visco when you say it, which I learned recently. Um, I don't see that many teenagers in the audience. How many of you know what Visco is and use it? Okay, so we have a lot of photography buffs and people who know what they're doing on their phones, and that's great. Um, what I learned is that at its core, this is a sophisticated photo app, uh, but it's become a lot more than that, Joel. It's become a platform for creators, um, some would say a lifestyle for, for Garrett's brother, for my son. <laughs> so we want to get the full story from, from Joel now. And Joel, let's start with your journey, because what intrigues me is that prior to your founding this company, you were a commercial and wedding photographer. You were a fully formed adult with a career, a successful career. Yeah. Was there a part of you that always wanted to start a, a digital startup? Yes. Um, so I was always thinking about what was next. And at this point, it came around 10 years of my career as a photographer. So my wife and I actually started the business together, um, ran it um, for 10 years. And at the point, had one daughter and a second on the way, and was kind of, um, oh man, like life's going to change. I'm going to be working uh, the nights and weekends um, and summers, which are predominant busiest season, while my kids are off, and when they're in school is when I'm off. Um, and so there was kind of this desire to look for what was next. Um, but I wanted it really anchored around my passion around uh, creativity. Um, around people mm -hmm. um, was something that always really drew me to photography in the first place. All right, so you were a photographer during the period when digital really came about and yeah. started to replace analog film photography, right? Um, was that a difficult transition for you? Were you there along for it? Did it take you by surprise? You know, I love adopting new technology and, and testing it out. Uh, first off, I, I hope digital never fully replaces analog. In film. Do you have I, any analog cameras? Yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. How it's, many? Let's see. That are working, probably three. <laughs> <laughs> a few more that uh, could, could use a little tune-up. Um, uh, but I think there's something really special about film photography. Um, we have a full dark room at our office and something where we offer a service for employees and for the community of developing film, uh, film scanners, and, and working with it. So it's something I still love. Mm -hmm. uh, but I definitely was that individual that was always trying out the new technology. So when digital photography came out, I was 
trying out new cameras, and then it was really around 2003 or so, maybe about two years into my career as a photographer, that I made the switch to go all digital. And once you went in, uh, at least for work, you were all in. Yeah, yeah. Now you found your co-founder Greg because he made a website for a band that you liked, Jimmy Eat World, and you yes. liked that website. Um, <laughs> he then made a website for your photography business, and then the two of you decided to team up and start a business. It's interesting to me that two non-technical guys um, who are creatives decide to form a company. Neither of you are engineers, neither of you are coders, um, neither of you are former investment bankers, which, I mean, a lot of our guests, right, were in banking for a couple of years and knew that they wanted to then move on and start their own company. It's not really your typical Bay Area startup story. I mean, there's not much about me or Visco that's typical Bay Area startup story. Um, and, you know, I think for Greg and I, it was something that we, we always just talked about, what would we love to do? Like, if we weren't building for anyone else, if we were building for ourselves, what is it that we would do? Um, and it was always kind of this intersection of art and technology, um, as well as kind of like tools and community. Um, and so we always talked about like, what if we built something by creators for creators? What if we built something in which the business model was never to take advantage of those that we were serving, but to actually deliver them value and deliver it in a way that they were willing to pay us and keep paying us for something? Um, and so we constantly, our like email threads back, like, what about this business idea? And, and the one that I like got Greg to get started with Visco was we were going to build websites for other photographers because he had built a website for me and a few other friends and it really started to get a lot of inbound interest. So Visco was born out of us trying to find a way to build websites for creatives. Uh -huh. um, and through that is really where um, we launched a mobile app to help drive sales um, of a desktop product that was built to help save us time and our jobs uh, so that we could raise money for the company. So just out of curiosity, what were some of the other businesses that didn't pass muster that you kind of toyed around with but then decided this is not going to work? Um, from like a commercial real estate like MLS. So I grew up in construction uh -huh. um, and had a lot of experience in that. Um, helping people uh, trade shifts um, through like text-based uh, messaging because I had worked in a restaurant and you know the job board of like trying to trade shifts and thought that would be interesting. Um, there's a few others. Um, so we were always kind of just like, but that was nothing that Greg or I were like passionate about that I'd wake up in the morning and be like, this is something, a mission and a vision that's worth really uh, working and spending our time doing. Yeah, obsessing your life over, right? Yeah. So was that non-technical background uh, an obstacle or an asset, at least in the beginning? You know, it's interesting to think because hindsight, like in the moment, yes, two non-technical co-founders, and not only that, we had never worked in any like tech space. So it wasn't like we were ex Google or ex Facebook, and then we had this network built in. Like we knew other photographers and other designers, <laughs> and we couldn't raise money. At first, we formed the company we were going to try to, and it was like crickets. Who do we know? Um, hmm. We know no no one. We didn't have a network or an industry like at all. Um, so we held a workshop for other creatives. Um, and that was the first funding for Visco. Um, and then that's actually where Visco Film was born out of because after that we realized we need a lot more money than we made on the workshop. And so I hired two friends that we had known part-time to help build a website and start building things for Visco. And we realized we need more money. And so that's when another person's like, I can build this tool to save you time. And that was Visco Film. I tested it out. 
instantly was like, oh my gosh, we can sell this. Mm -hmm. Three weeks later, five tweets, one page website. We made a quarter of a million dollars in 48 hours uh, selling Visco film. Has a 97, or did have a 97% gross margin. So it was just like money right into then like funding the company. And so for the first two and a half years, all the way up until 43 employees, until we raised a $40 million Series A, we were profitable, uh, had never raised money. We didn't even... Inve we didn't even have our own money to invest in the business. Like it was just, we made money and then we grew the business. And it started to become a real thing. You mentioned uh, your first product. It was a pack of editing presets. So I'm not a photography buff. I'm no photography okay. expert. I was a little confused by what presets mean. And um, I think of when I use Instagram, a filter. Yeah. What's the difference between a preset and a filter? Yeah, so Visco started and it was not on a mobile device. We started with the desktop product and if you're using Photoshop or Lightroom, you're talking about presets within those applications for editing. And so Visco Film were a series of presets plus some other uh, camera raw profiles, but it's getting a little more technical uh, on that side. So there's a lot more to it than just presets, but we called them uh, presets. We then launched, so that was November of 2011. Mm -hmm. We launched the mo first mobile app that was 99 cents paid, just editing. Did anyone here have it? Anyone? anyone oh, there is someone there. Um, um, so it was, it was entirely like little glimpses of what you could get in the desktop product. And so our goal was to like, hey, give you a taste of it to this great desktop product to drive sales. And it did work, but it itself just blew up. And right at the same time, um, Sorry, I wasn't answering the question. So those are presets for Lightroom. <laughs> Filters are more typical for mobile, but that wasn't what we were necessarily initially building for. Mm -hmm. And when we did then launch our own mobile mm -hmm. um, that was really focused on it, we kept the nomenclature because it was something more than just a preset. We weren't just slapping a layer on top of the image. We were doing something really technical, kind of under the hood, if you will, um, to really edit the image. Now, you talked about making a quarter of a million in sales in the first two days that the presets were available for Adobe Lightroom in 2011. Who were the customers who were, who were buying it up? I mean... Wedding photographers. Okay, so people like you. Yeah, people like me. Uh, then other more designers. Um, and I a think... A very specific community. Very, yeah, very. It's our peer group. I mean, you think about it like it was Greg and I's peer group mm -hmm. and it spread and it was, it was a one-page website and we had a few people tweet it out that they loved it and, you know... All the way up, like Visco has been always organic, like word of mouth. People use it, they love it, they tell others. Um, and it kind of goes back to that whole concept, like build something that people love. Um, so, you know, it was one of those things where, um, yeah, had we raised, had we been technical, I don't know if we would have been forced to put a product out like that mm -hmm. in the first place. We probably would have kept heads down on this website builder and we probably would have gone so far into it that we never would have been forced by the constraint of not having money to sell something. And so I'm very thankful uh, for that constraint. Now, that same product is not something you offer anymore, right? We do not. That's, that's not available. Why yeah. is that? I mean, it did so well, and obviously yeah. there was a market for it, and your peer group loved it. Yeah, I mean, obviously Visco has evolved. And uh, two years ago, uh, you know, just a little over two years ago, in 2017, we launched a paid subscription, Visco membership. Um, last year, end of 2018, we reached north of 2 million paid subscribers, and we're on pace to nearly double that this year. 
Um, so the key word of why that's no longer available is focus. Like we're focused on building our core business of Visco membership. But couldn't you keep the other thing going at the same time? There, I mean, it's definitely something I think over time, and it's one of my biggest recommendations for anyone out there starting something or building something is you have to make difficult decisions to uh, stop working on things that are working or that are actually like a, a positive thing because it's, it can be distracting. You know, we only have a limited number of resources. I mean, at the time when we, we were under 100 employees, mm -hmm. um, we needed to focus everyone at Visco working on the, the subscription and the, the subscription offering. And so for us, that focus is what allowed for that explosive growth of the subscription. Right, you don't want to spend your time upgrading it and maintaining no. it if you and, don't need to. And, and not building for another platform where we can't control it and deliver an experience. So mm -hmm. it was something that we were building a product for within another company's product. Mm -hmm. um, and so we're hyper-focused on building the best experience we can and helping everybody fall in love with their own creativity. And the best way we can do that is within Visco, and so it's focused all of our efforts in our own product. Garrett mentioned that you launched in 2011, and this was about one year after Instagram made its debut. When you think about timing and luck, how fortuitous uh, was luck in, in your oh. story? I, I mean, mean anyone that how, says, how much did it play into your success? I think anyone that doesn't say they were lucky is lying um, in any story if there's <laughs> success. Um, and in ours, we, we were absolutely at the right place at the right time. Um, I think it was maybe a little, Instagram played a part. I think mobile phones played the biggest part. So like the, the biggest insight that had us go all in on mobile photography was the iPhone 4S. Why the 4S? So it's the first time that Apple introduced kind of a upgrade to their phone without changing anything other than the camera. They doubled the megapixels. And it wasn't that that camera was actually that great. It actually is probably one of the worst phones because it couldn't handle the, the size of the image and it crashed all the time. And it was like, I remember the day we no longer supported that device and every engineer on our team was, and a support <laughs> team member was like so thankful because um, it was just riddled with issues. But it was that insight that Apple was going to build a device that the buying decision was gonna be based upon the camera. And they knew if they were willing to do that, they obviously plan ahead. Mm -hmm. So this was a part of their product roadmap for the future. And I mean, it's indicative of today. You take a look at the iPhone 11 and the announcement, over 25% of the entire keynote was dedicated to the camera. Every billboard for any phone that's out here in New York, it's about creating photos and video. And so for us, um, it was that insight that we kind of went all in on mobile from that perspective. Now, of course, it's not just Apple that spends a lot of time and money and effort on perfecting its camera because Google, there's the Google yep. Pixel. Yeah. You have a, a bunch of other phones from Chinese handset makers, Korean handset makers. What do you see now from the Googles, from the Apples, from the Samsungs, the Huawei's, or whatever companies are making these devices? It's nothing short of extraordinary. I mean, I think for anyone, I keep the first iPhone that I had from 2007. It's on my desk, and it's a, a reminder of like how far we've come in a period of time. Um, no one took it serious. I did not take mobile photography serious in 2011, and especially really even in 2012, it was purely just like a marketing tactic to drive people to our desktop product. Mm -hmm. um, today, it is, it's phenomenal what can be created. Um, and I'm most excited by not just providing tools for photography or even video, which is a lot of what we're doubling down on, but I think we're seeing expression, and especially with Gen Z, and we can get to that on kind of the makeup of Visco, but like 
no longer are they saying I'm just a photographer or a designer. Like, I just make stuff. And as we talk to our community, they're looking for the freedom to express themselves however they choose. And so we're really focused on trying to provide new ways to express yourself and to create. Um, and so I'm, I'm excited by every one of these uh, phones um, and the investment that they're putting into kind of the creative side of these devices. Is there still a market for DS DSLR phones? Yes. Sorry, cameras. Yeah, or more like... Um, <laughs> Not phones. Yeah, DSLR cameras. Yes. Um, I mean, it's definitely in decline. I mean, if the, the, the numbers don't look great um, if, you're, if you're looking at, at some of these companies. Um, but I think there'll be a market, and I think there'll be some... Um, I mean, I just want creativity to win. Mm -hmm. So I think any company that is creating a devices or tools that help people create and express themselves is a great thing. Okay, so what Apple does, what Google does, really impacts the way that you think about how you can plan your business and, and evolve it. Um, another bit of luck, staying with this theme of luck, is Apple and Android rolled out software that allowed an app to scale its business. Yeah. Um, and that paved the way for what you told us about, which is the subscription offering. Exactly. What kind of projections did you have initially when you first started selling filters, presets? For nineteen ninety nine a year, did you did you have a number in mind? Well, sort of. So we had been so in two thousand twelve, the app that we launched was ninety nine cents, and then two thousand thirteen, we launched uh, in app purchases. And from that point, we were top five grossing in every country in the world in photo video. Like we did really well, and it was one of those things where we saw um, the recidivism around it was that you know we were seeing like two-thirds of the people were buying multiple packs. Like they weren't just buying one preset pack for 99 cents. They were coming back and buying more mm -hmm. and buying more and buying more. Um, and it was something that we had talked about wanting to develop uh, a subscription. With that, though, the infrastructure wasn't there. And the team, when it was kind of this build versus buy, we only had a limited number of resources. We were saying, what could we put our effort Best towards, and that was actually building the creative tools, and we just kept going with the one-off purchases. And definitely, Apple and Google made a huge investment. And we're extremely thankful, and so that's what allowed us in 2017 to launch um, the subscription service. Was a lot of their efforts around uh, subscription. You said that Visco is one of the top five grossing apps um, in your space. Who do you consider your competitor? Is it Instagram? Um, so our business model is selling a subscription to creative tools and then uh, a community and access to a community for inspiration that helps you go out and create. As it relates to that, we're, we're beyond leading the way. Um, now, I think if you were to say, like, where is anyone spending their money, where is anyone spending their time, and what is anyone using to create, I think there's a lot within the ecosystem. Mm -hmm. um, I think Apple and Google themselves I think there's other social platforms, um, but I, I think it's. I think everything needs to be traced back to the business model, and that's where you can like talk about like where kind of the true competition is. And so for us, with the mobile subscription to creativity and to a community, um, it's something where we are definitely leading the way. You're leading the way. Are are you looking behind you and seeing other companies that have similar ideas and? That that is not how we run our business. We run our business by listening to the consumer and listening to their needs and being relentless at following our mission to help everybody fall in love with their own creativity. But I think more importantly, it's that mission's in service of accomplishing our vision to create a world in which differences are celebrated. Um, 
And so the whole concept behind Visco and the community was, it's not a platform for you to share how you want the world to see you. It's not your portfolio. It's not your perfect self. Um, it's a place where you can share how you see the world. Mm -hmm. And if we create a space, that's why we're very intentional with no public likes or comments, uh, with follower accounts, if we can create a space where you can share how you see the world and you're recognized for that, curated and seen and given that space, it gives people from all over the world a chance to share their voice. Um, over 80% of Visco's outside the US. Uh, over 75% of Visco's under the age of 25. And you know, we just published a study today, um, Gen Z in particular, that generation under the age of 25, um, hyper aware of mental health and the negative impact that social media has on it. Um, in, in the study we talk about, over 72% share that they have not posted a photo out of fear of what others will think about it. Um, it's stifling the creative voice, their process, and what they want to share with the world. Complete flip side though is on Visco, 86% say they don't feel pressure uh, or anxiety. Um, they do feel the freedom to express how they, how they want to, uh, how they want to share themselves. And, and so for that, it's something that we find like really, really powerful um, and really, really exciting. Um, so it's something that we're continuing to like really focus on from that mission and vision perspective because mm -hmm. we believe that is absolutely critical for the future. I hear what you're saying, but in terms of business model, you say it's not based on eyeballs or time spent, spent on screens. That must have been a hard decision to make though when the most successful big tech companies were making boatloads of cash doing just that. Um, at the time, how, how difficult was it to push away that, that idea? Um, I mean, it wasn't even an option. Like, from the beginning, we said we were going to build a business that was direct to the consumer, that we were going to build something of value that someone was willing to pay for, um, that four things needed to happen, that the, the creator always has to win, the community always has to win, whoever's paying us has to win, and Visco has to win. And it's the only, like, you cannot produce an idea within Visco to have it taken serious unless it meets those kind of four criteria. Um, and so as, I mean, that's a part of just like our DNA and our core values um, from a creator first perspective. Um, and look, there's a lot of great businesses in the subscription space. There's a lot of great direct to consumer of getting people to pay for something where it's not your eyeballs or your data that's the business, it's providing you an experience that's worth paying for. Um, and something that's really crazy is that over 50, so 75% of the overall Visco user base, it's over north of 20 million weekly active users, um, is under the age of 25. Over 55% of those subscribers that I mentioned are under the age of 25. So Gen Z makes up our largest uh, portion of our subscriber base. And because they are, they're saying that creativity is a key to their mental well-being and that they are uh, willing to invest in, um, in carving out time and investing tools uh, from a creative perspective for that investment in themselves. All right, we talked about how you achieved profitability almost instantaneously. It was very quick for you. It was instantaneous. Okay, yeah. <laughs> um, but you did later choose to raise venture funding in 2014. Correct. What were the signals that you needed to raise funding outside to really advance the company, advance what you wanted to do? Yeah, so our mission is to help everybody fall in love with their own creativity. So we always knew it was big. We, scale. We, scale. Scale was always going to be a part of what we did at Visco. Um, and it was not that we were opposed to raising, um, it was that we didn't need to. Um, but then there came the point when we had launched the community in 2013. Um, and then initially it was 
by invite only. Um, and it wasn't that we were trying to be exclusive, it was that we could not afford to let everyone onto the platform and start sharing. So we let people in groups, observe their behavior, see how much it cost us, then see what we could do, let the next group in. Um, and it was around no October or November of 2013. It was kind of like, shit, the people that we already let on, like the engagement was just going through the roof. It was, didn't matter if we let anyone new on, mm -hmm. we were gonna have to raise capital to afford our server bills because of what was already happening on the platform and there was no going back. So. Okay, so it, it was out of necessity essentially where yeah, you were that, like in order to keep this go going and at the quality that we want it to be Yeah, at. but that's, to it's, be honest, that's like one of the greatest ways to go raise capital is like we have too many people using our platform and we can't afford our server bills. Okay, so how did that so. happen? Because you were <laughs> kind of ambivalent um, about raising outside capital. You kind of made interested investors come to you rather than go to them, yeah. <laughs> um, including Excel partners. What did they say to you to convince you like this is the right partner for me? Yeah, so I think what you're referring to, so I've, I've said before, at the time our office was in Emeryville, um, and there was a bar right around the corner called Prize Fighter. And VCs will just start or hound, like emailing, calling all the time and be like, great, um, I can meet you for a drink. Uh, here's, here's the address. Most of the time it'd be like 30 minutes later, like they'd Google where it actually was. They're like, that's so far from where I'm at on Sand Hill Road. There's no way I'm coming to Emeryville and like driving an hour and a half, two hours uh, to the East Bay. Um, and um, Voss, Natarajan at Excel, um, I, I, was, I was on the phone with him and he, I was like, private fighter, and he's like, plugs in, he's like, all right, based upon ways I can be there in an hour and a half without work. And I was like, Yeah, you're like, I'll see sure. if you actually do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think something that Greg and I were looking for and something I love deeply about Excel was um, we wanted someone that believed in us, mm -hmm. we wanted someone that believed in our vision, and we wanted someone that believed in us to accomplish our vision. And so it was kind of those three criteria of checking the box for us for an investor, um, because it's a critical piece, they're a partner in what you're doing. Um, and, and Voss not only checked those boxes, but it was a level of enthusiasm that to this day has only grown. Um, and I'm beyond thankful five years in, uh, both he and Ryan Sweeney um, at Excel um, are just deeply invested in us as individuals, mm -hmm. which I think is also rare. Um, and I, I think it's something of like taking care of the entrepreneur um, because it's not an easy job. Um, and so it pushing us, encouraging us to take care of ourselves from a mental health perspective, um, but also just taking care of the, the consumer. Like they're, they're definitely someone like in a board meeting like, and what do our consumers want? What do our consumers need? Like they're consistently championing that and I've just been very thankful to have them um, as investors. Did they or any other um, early investors you did talk with or potential investors come in with an agenda in any way? Like they had an idea of how they wanted Visco to expand and grow and they wanted to, to float that by you. I think it's less of others losing the deal and it's more, much more so of Excel winning it. Mm. Um, it was just their level of enthusiasm and passion for, for Visco, for the space, for the community um, that really won the deal for Excel. Let's talk a little bit about the Visco community. You talk about it, um, it's, you're, you're very proud of it. At, at what point did Visco become a community? Was there a moment at which you realized, wait, this is more than just a technical tool for my peer group? Yeah, from the very beginning. So we launched Visco Film, and the first thing that we did with Visco Film, it, we didn't sell ads about it, 
we went to those that were using it and said, can we tell your story about how you're using our product? Can we, and it wasn't, if you even go back and look at the initial videos or journal entries that we made around it, it wasn't an ad for our product, it was us telling the story of the creator. It was mm -hmm. putting the creator first. It was talking about their creative process. It was, and, and Visco was used in it, but it wasn't the focal point of it. Um, and from the beginning, that's how we built this business. Um, and it's how we'll continue to build this business. Um, and it's continuing to put the creator first. Uh, it's one of our six core values. So putting the creator first sometimes also means uh, giving them work opportunities too. Uh, you have this community, you had a brand partnership business at one point called Visco Connect to help companies, brands, hire photographers, hire some of the talent that you feature on Visco. Sounds like a great idea. Is it still in practice? Is it still in use? So Visco Connect was something that we piloted and launched at the same exact time that we launched our subscription service to kind of test what was going to be the next really scalable business model for Visco. Um, I do believe uh, and I'm passionate about helping creators find work, um, getting paid for their work. Mm -hmm. um, and it was focused around getting paid for original work and commissioning and not getting paid for past work and stock photography. Um, but for us, back to focus and back to Visco Film and why we're no longer working on it, like we really focused down and, and doubled down and focused the entire company on building our subscription service. Now, when it comes to your subscription service, you said you gave us the statistics about how a majority is um, under the age of 25, a majority is overseas, overwhelming majority is overseas yeah. as well. How many of them are professionals versus Gen Z teenagers? Well, so over 55% is Gen Z, and by no means, especially when talking to them, will they ever, like I mentioned, classify, like, not I'm a photographer. Uh, I'm a designer, like they're making stuff, they're creative, they're expressing themselves, they have a story to tell, and they're using any medium. Uh, these, they're, and, and for most, like digital natives, they live their entire life online and leveraging whatever access they have to whatever platform they have, whatever channel they have, whatever means of distribution of getting their story out there mm -hmm. in an impactful way. Um, and so it's, it's, it's more about building what I would say is professional quality tools that are accessible to everyone. So we're, it's around the, the technology and the complexity that we're building kind of under the hood and making it easy enough to use on a mobile device to help everyone, whether or not you're taking your first photo or you're making a living off of it. But does that maybe turn off some of the professional photographers who might use your service as well? Um, because it is accessible to everyone. Uh, as, we, as we talk to the community, um, it, it's something where this goes less about, even the community itself, everything's in service of creation and everything's in service of the individual's personal creative journey. Um, so I think for those pros, still being supported with quality creative tools, finding inspiration in the community, so who they choose to follow. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of what we build through Discover that's tailored to your preferences, to what you find inspiring. Um, and so as you continue to build that profile and engage with the platform, who you choose to follow, this will all cater your experience and it will be built for you. So you're talking about AI, machine learning, all that too as well? Exactly, yeah. Okay. Now your app is popular with teenagers, with Gen Z, in part because um, of this feeling of authenticity that's been lost on Instagram and other social media platforms. Also the fact that a lot of parents like myself didn't even realize that Visco existed yeah. <laughs> up until recently. Do you worry that as your user base advances and expands that you could lose the thing that makes it so desirable 
to your core user base? I don't worry um, because what we're seeing is, and it's less of losing authenticity on other platforms as it is uh, a truly safe space to share how one sees the world um, and from an identity perspective. And that's not something that um, is kind of ephemeral. It's not something that is, um, it, you're being kind of your true self and a true expression and it has a story to tell. And so it's even, you know, we'll, we'll see it with parents and um, uh, I'll talk and it's usually like, I, like with an investor or we'll meet someone and they're like, I just have to tell you, was really worried based upon what I was seeing from my child on other social platforms. I was worried about, I didn't really see them in the photos that were being presented online. It was kind of this alternate version of them that I didn't recognize. Um, but when my daughter told me to go check out her Visco, mm -hmm. um, I was like, that's where she is. That's, that's who she is. That's my daughter that I know. And we hear this time and time again because they're able to be free and share how they see the world and not necessarily have the camera entirely faced on them, but faced outward of how, what they're seeing around them and what they're experiencing. Um, and so for that, I think it's really powerful. And we're seeing the growth around that. It's not a decline as mm -hmm. it becomes more popular and growing more. It's just accelerating at an even greater pace. But young people are notoriously fickle, and their interest in what they like can change awfully quickly. Yeah. Um, as this generation gets a little bit older, you know, maybe the now 10-year-olds, soon to be 13-year-olds, will turn to something else completely. They have to be over 13 to be using Visco in the first place. Um, <laughs> So um, I think another big difference, though, is that it, this, this is not a free platform in which they are being uh, the business model, being their eyeballs and their engagement. They're, you know, over 55% of those subscribers under the age of 25 paying for this. And as we talk to Apple and Google, this is one of the first things that they are paying for on their own that's not a part of a family plan for other services. Mm -hmm. um, and so this is an investment, kind of goes back to the study that we published today where They've recognized the power of creativity in their mental well-being, and they are actively pursuing creative endeavors to put a part of their daily habits um, for their mental health. The, this Gen Z is 96% of those surveyed um, talk about they are keenly aware of mental, their mental health and the negative impact that social media has on it, and they're actively looking for ways to uh, improve that and they're looking for that outlet. And so creativity, um, over 85% talk about that creativity helps their mental mood and their mental health. And so for it, like Visco, I think this is really, we're seeing a generation like, they're, they're actually equipped to handle the complexity of this mm -hmm. in a way like any other generation has ever been able to. Um, and I'm ex really excited by what I'm seeing of just, they're not afraid to talk about it. Um, they're calling, any mental health issues out. There's not this stigma around it. Um, they're head, taking it head on. And they are, you know, I think more importantly, like they are actively uh, taking measures to improve it. Um, Did you have a sense early on that this would become this safe space where people could be their authentic self and, and they, they, there's a place where they don't need to worry about how others see them? Or is that something that kind of developed organically over time? It was 100% intentional. So it was built more out of the mindset though for the creative because as a photographer or designer, 
faced with some of those similar pressures to their your portfolio online had to be perfect. Hmm. Um, and it's how you're getting work and you need to show level of engagement. Um, and so the initial insight was to create a safe space where you could just share kind of the work in progress or the behind the scenes, uh, the less than perfect, maybe try something new. I mean, God forbid now that you try something new on any of these platforms because you have a theme and it's like, it's your style and it's your brand and it's like what you're known for. Um, and, and so that was initially the premise for our community was mm -hmm. for other creatives. And what we quickly saw was just this like influx of teenagers being like, please, we crave something without, what we've never had without likes judgment. or comments. Uh, we've never had a public follower count. Everything's been intentional to help foster creativity. So we have to talk about the Visco girl. Sure. Um, yeah. <laughs> when did you first become aware of it? How did, how did it come to your attention that people were hashtagging Visco girl? So we've seen this trend and quite honestly, a lot of other trends on Visco for a long time. This is not anything new. The, the trend itself is not a surprise. Um, I think the difference though is that it is one of many within Visco and one of many trends. I actually encourage you within Visco to go into search and search Visco Girl um, because I think what you'll see is a much more diverse perspective of what it means to be a girl and how people identify as a Visco Girl. Now, the current social trend and from the press perspective and how big that's gotten, mm -hmm. yeah, that's definitely a surprise. We've never seen anything from Visco kind of on a mainstream perspective like that blow up in the way that this has. Um, but I think it's become a meme. Oh, it's and, and it will define a generation. Like it, it will be, it will go down and like in the social lexicon of defining this generation, uh, at least a, a portion of it in the moment in time. Um, I think though, what I love, not I think, what I do love about it is, there, is there's a sense of like ownership and empowerment out of it. So what if I am? Mm -hmm. um, and there, there's a level of like why Visco itself is why people are drawn to Visco is that safe space to be who they are. Um, they talk about, back to the study that we just published today, but 86% uh, Gen Z on Visco talk about how that they do not feel pressure to be uh, like someone else or compare themselves to someone else. They don't feel that anxiety around being creative on Visco. Um, and so it's almost, that's what being the hashtag Visco identifies with, of kind of this sense of like ownership, sense of voice, of who you are. Um, you'll see it with a profile link in, in so many other platforms linking back to someone's Visco. If you want to know who someone really is, you need to see their Visco because that will tell the, the true story of like who they are. But in the meantime, people can misappropriate Visco Girl on other platforms, on Twitter, on yeah. Snapchat, on Instagram. I do people do you can brace yourself for an inevitable backlash? Oh, people can misappropriate anything. Um, but it's got your name in it. I think what it allows though is for conversations like this, for, for us as a brand to show up in the conversation and talk about um, you know, what it means to be a girl, to be a girl on Visco, to talk to our community and help highlight and share their stories, um, to talk like that the gender discussion moves beyond just male and female even. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's something that um, it needs from a gender fluidity and, and there's so much more that needs to happen in this topic of discussion of gender and identity. Um, so it allows for those conversations to start and it gives us an opportunity as a brand because 
we do not believe at Visco that it's our job to just build something and then step back. Uh, we have never been a passive platform. Our first core value at Visco is all in. And that if we're going to do anything, we're going to be all in and we're going to lead by example. Um, and so for that, it just gives us a great opportunity to enter into the conversation, to allow our community to enter into the conversation. So, so how do you think about retail brands and the retail power of Visco? Because Visco Girl means there's that Swedish backpack that I can't pronounce. How do you yeah. pronounce it? No, I won't even attempt Anyone to it. Anyone <laughs> know Fjall something? Fjall Raven? What is it? Sure. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay, and then um, Birkenstocks, what? Pura Vita bracelets, um, the Hydro Flask. Um, what else was on there? This, uh, the Brandy Melville t-shirts or sweatshirts. I mean, there's a, those are a lot of brands there. At some point, someone's going to say and maybe come up with an offer that is irresistible. Like, there, there's an opportunity to do some more tie-ins. Oh, I know no. you're a subscription offer. You've got this subscription business. But how do you think about... The, the retail potential here? I mean, we're here to serve all of Visco, not just a certain subset of Visco that happens to like a certain type of product. Um, and for us, um, again, it goes back to kind of those four, that the creator wins, the community wins, that whoever's paying us wins, and that Visco wins. And that's most aligned through our subscription and direct to the consumer. So um, for us, I think it kind of goes back to it, um, those brand, like, those brands are not what identify, uh, that we identify as, as Visco. Mm -hmm. um, Visco is less identified by any object and actually really any individual. It's more of a mindset. Um, it's a mindset of uh, someone sharing how they see the world uh, and celebrating creative differences um, and really falling in love with your own creative self. Um, and so that's what we stand for. That's what our brand's about. That's what our mission and vision are all tied toward. And it's what every single person at Visco, we're now 150 plus employees and growing, that are, every single person's focused on um, is around how we can deliver that experience that helps everybody fall in love with their own creativity. Now, before we get to questions from the audience, you say you're a fan of history and you learn from people's mistakes yes. and their successes as well. What's an example of a specific, specific failure that you learned from and that led to a decision that you made? So there's been quite a bit, um, and it is definitely something I, I do feel there's a success, as I mentioned earlier, there's so many factors that go into it um, with luck, timing, and all of that. So failures are something, um, it's less to relish in like what we've failed at um, it's more what do we do about it and what do we learn and how do we take mm -hmm. a growth mindset approach. Um, so one particular example would be um, at Visco, um, I was hyper-focused and Greg and I are building products that we wanted that we ourselves would use. And I wanted um, keyboard shortcuts for Lightroom. And so we built a great product called Visco Keys that's phenomenal. Um, and if you're interested in it, it's free and open sourced now <laughs> <laughs> because it's not something that we're building. Um, but I think what we quickly realized was is that we were no longer our core user and that we could not build just off of intuition um, and what we wanted. Uh, we needed to listen to our consumers. And we needed not just to listen to what they said they wanted, but more so really these consumer insights, a truce of what they're looking for in life and how we can make an impact on that. Um, and so a lot of that has been driven now, um, you know, really helping people express themselves however they choose building a community to propel people and not judge them, um, giving trusted guidance. It's something that our community talks about a lot. Like, I would love guidance on how to proceed or get unstuck in this creative process. 
Um, and so these are things that we're, we're hyper-focused on. What's the number one thing you're most surprised by when you see on Visco? What, what's an image that will stick with you forever that you've seen? So um, uh, there's a gentleman by the name of Phil. I think it's Visco handles uh, Philography. Um, and we had launched a feature on iOS around creating journals. And in the office, we were getting ready with like champagne to celebrate and streamers because we're excited this big product launch. And so everyone's waiting for it. And everyone's like, what's the first journal that's going to get posted? Um, and I like saw it. It pops up. And we're all waiting. And it was silent in our office. And Phil had heard that we were launching this feature. And he used our platform to tell a story of his mom's battle with cancer. And it was the first time that he was sharing this because he didn't feel safe to share it on any other platform because he didn't want the comments to be there. And it wasn't actually really for anyone else, but it was for himself um, in telling his story. Mm -hmm. And instead of champagne being passed around, it was boxes of Kleenex. Um, and Phil came and spoke to our team earlier this year. And um, for me, it was just that like rem reminder of um, just the impact of the tools that we're building that they can have, that there's stories that people are not telling because they do not feel safe to tell on other platforms. Um, and to honestly, to get back to work, to continue to find new ways for people to express themselves so that they can share these stories, whether it be um, you know, sorrow mm -hmm. and loss or joy um, and success, um, just really helping people share with the world um, who they are. A tool to get you there. To, tool to get you there. All right, let's open things up to the audience. We have a couple of microphones that we can pass around. If you have a question for our guest, uh, please raise your hand. This, uh, the gentleman in the first row for Joel Flurry. Thank you for coming here first. Um, a number of us are MBAs at Cornell Tech. As a technical CEO and founder, what are some of the skills you wish you acquired? Because there's so much out there from finance to engineering to machine learning. Like, what are some of the things you wish you had gained before doing this? Um, it's, it's, it's interesting because I think you will never gain enough skills. Um, there's too much information and knowledge that needs to be learned in order to be successful uh, in life and in business. Um, it's about the people you surround yourself with. Um, it's about the mindset that you go into it. And so the mindset side of things is probably the biggest one. So two great books, one called Mindset and the other called Outward Mindset. Um, you have time to read. So I read about a book a week. Um, I'm a big fan of Audible. Um, <laughs> And able to listen at about 1.75x. And then for something that like really hits me, I then go back and read the physical copy. Um, um, but it's one of those things of, um, and I think the other big part for me is I'd encourage you to surround yourself not with people that are culture fits to what you think and what you want, uh, but culture ads that challenge you to think in a new way, that push you out of your comfort zone. Hmm. Um, because that is what Visco's success has been directly uh, um, tested to, is building a team of diverse perspectives um, that challenge me to think beyond what my experiences are. So the majority of our biggest failures were me doing what I thought was right um, and me not going into it with an open mindset to listen to others, to what they think would be right, to listen to our consumers, 
um, to challenge the, the truth. I have a lot of strong opinions, and I've learned to hold them loosely and surround myself with really intelligent, thoughtful people with just such a diverse set of perspectives. So. Next question. Right in the front. Thank you. So um, my question is, what advice would you have for a young entrepreneur looking to break into the world of media and technology, but who doesn't have a network necessarily behind them? Um, I would gain that experience and network in, in a variety of different ways. So attending talks like this are great. Um, I, I think connecting with people that are here in this room is another great opportunity. Um, you know, uh, uh, there's a gentleman by the name of Brian Watson who worked for us for a while. He's now at Apple. Um, he was here in New York, so it was the first time I came to New York for Visco, um, and he saw that I was here based upon some photos that I was posting, and he sent a tweet like, "I would love to share my vision uh, for the Visco community." Um, and we grabbed coffee um, at Saturdays in in Soho and sat in the back there and shared his vision, which was just extremely beautiful for Visco's community. Um, so put yourself out there. You never know. Like, reach out to people and, you know, have an opinion to try and engage with them. Um, and I think ultimately, though, for if it's an idea that you're going to lead, have it be something that you're uniquely qualified um, to do. Um, and so I think back to those other ideas that I had, um, they were not ideas that, I felt like my life had led me up to building. Um, Visco was the first idea that I had that was like, I felt like my life had led up to. And so for you, it needs to be something, and truthfully, it needs to be a mission and a vision that you care so deeply about because it will not be easy. There, this is, for anyone wanting to start a business, this is not, there is nothing glamorous no matter what <laughs> anyone wants to tell you uh, about it. Um, I just feel very fortunate to be able to work towards a mission and a vision that I care so deeply about and to make an impact. Um, so find something like that that you are willing to devote your life to. That's central to your identity that you can put all, your all into. Exactly, yeah. Right here, second row. Hi, it's nice to meet you. Um, so I have a million questions, but I'm only gonna ask two. One okay. business thing and I'm good. Yeah. Um, so you talked a little bit about like your next steps and how subscription was like that next step. What can I as a consumer expect next from Visco? Is there a vision? What's the evolution look like? It's a great, great question. Um, so I mentioned moving beyond just photos. So we've done a little bit within video mm -hmm. and video is a big push for us um, that will continue to roll out a lot of really exciting tools. Um, but I think for video, it's moving beyond just even video as a creation tool or capturing video as it is um, bringing together kind of all forms of creativity and putting them into a form of output that is video. Um, so I'm inspired by and excited around design, illustration, and kind of all things creative. Um, and actually not just siloing them specifically into these categories of creativity, just creating um, that uh, kind of building kind of what's next in that area. Flip side of that is, um, you know, people talk about, they, they start the subscription and they come to Visco for the tools, but the number one reason they renew is because of the community. 
And we hear a lot around the need for a community to propel and not judge and trusted guidance. And so these are things also that we're really hard at work on of continuing to build more value there so that you find a sense of connection, finding those that you need on your creative journey, whatever passion it may be, um, to really find those meaningful connections. You don't, it's not to build this mass network and kind of broadcast following that you can then share a message to as many people as possible, but who are those few people um, that will help propel you in your own creative journey? So those are the two problems that we're looking to solve right now. Super excited about the video component. Um, so then the other question. Uh, what, so as a photographer, what would you say your favorite subject to capture is? Just like what do you have the most of, would you say? It, you know, it really depends. So I love people like the most just because of the connection. Um, and I love to see the world through someone else's eyes. And so that's always uh, sort of built visco. But it's also when I was photographing, it was trying to tell a story through someone else's eyes of who I was photographing. Um, I love food. I love travel. Um, I love experiences and documenting them. And so I think anything kind of associated with that that gives someone a sense of that maybe they could to experience that and live that moment through a photo is something that I love to do. Thank you. Yeah. In the back there. Thanks for sharing your story. Um, so I was wondering, what's a failure that you had um, kind of throughout this whole journey that really was a big learning experience? and how do you kind of see when that moment comes? So, you know, there, there are a lot of failures and there's fa failures on a daily basis. And I think the more you're failing is the more that you're trying to innovate and push yourself. Um, probably one of the most pivotal failures, um, and it was an unrecognized failure that I, I wanted on our team to help work on some other people. So I wanted to get some coaches for some other people on our team. And Katie Shields, who's our VP of people, said, cool, but, um, we'll start with you. Um, <laughs> and in my mind, I'm like, no, like, I got this dialed in, we're doing great. Um, and so um, I think the biggest failure for me was not actually recognizing or even actively looking for those areas where I wasn't meeting the needs of others on our team. Um, and so, it was one of the most difficult moments in my career was receiving this 360 feedback that I literally like curled up in a ball on. Um, what was the harshest in my family thing? Front. It, it, it wasn't that it was harsh. I think it was, I care so deeply about creating an environment and an opportunity for people to do their best work. And so I think to hear that while I had all the right intentions that I was failing people mm. in that, and in a variety of different ways, either not communicating to them or giving them feedback that they were looking for their career growth, um, to making it almost feel like it required being close to me in order to have a career progression at Visco, or that it required someone to think like me and be a self-starter to have that progression, and that I wasn't as open to diverse perspectives and styles. Um, and I think it was that like eye-opening and I remember I was literally curled up in a ball on my family room floor. And my, and my wife, who is definitely the secret weapon to like why I'm even still here and Visco is successful, is she's like, look at it this way. You're lucky enough to have people that care enough to give you this feedback. Mm. 
She's like, many of us in life go through people never caring enough to even tell us these things. You had an entire group of people that were willing to share it because they know that if they gave you this feedback, you would do something with it. Mm -hmm. And it was like, from that moment has been like this relentless pursuit to growth, personal growth. So either whether it be books towards personal growth to seeking people out to give me critical feedback of, I had no idea that I was making you feel that way or providing an unsafe environment for you to be who you are. So like one of our core values is be you. And it was always about bringing your whole self to Visco, but something really critical to that is you have to provide the space for others to do the same. Um, and so it was like really bringing that full circle. So it was kind of this just dump of uh, failures. Um, and then Katie, what I also love is she helps me really think through it in a tactical standpoint. It was like, let's pick the one thing you're gonna work on. And it's almost like every week has been, what's the one thing I'm gonna work on this week? Mm. What am I gonna like really, what am I gonna read a book on? What am I gonna, who am I gonna seek out from a diverse perspective that's really great at this one area that I'm not? And so I'm constantly trying to surround myself with other people that are better than I am. Um, and it's actually quite easy. Um, <laughs> Um, and that's actually my joy. So is to build the team and hire people like that, to grow them, to give them the opportunity to do that. Um, and so those are my two focuses within Visco. So, yeah. Gentlemen over here. I have a thought experiment for you. I love yeah. your consumer-centric approach, and you're in a privileged position to have grown VSCO with the business model that you put in place from a very early stage. But let's say you were in charge of Facebook and you're stewarding like a platform with two billion people on it. And you wake up and you realize that like your business model is maybe like not great for everybody and you're in the crosshairs of government and uh, <laughs> politics and everything. So how would you, if you were in charge of face Facebook, try and steer the ship? It's not, I mean, would you just turn it into a subscription model? Or what do you think, how would you approach that? Good question. As much as I would even love to try and even begin to put myself in those shoes, it, it's impossible. And I think... Um, okay, one thing that you could do. That, you know, I'll, 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 I'll drive this home because it, it, these are like the core values of what we do at Visco. And I'm not saying that it's necessarily the solution to every problem, um, but there are these like three human truths that like Greg and I believe so deeply in that everything that we do, we wanna make true that we want to deliver an experience that leaves someone saying, I am known, I belong, and I'm taken care of. Um, so we set out to ensure that we had a business model that did that, that we created an environment and a culture within Visco, that the values that we created within Visco were to deliver upon those. Um, and I'd say any amount of effort any ounce of effort towards that would be a step in the right direction for anyone in any business. Um, and I think it's something that we can all choose to do even in our personal lives. And that goes back to our vision as a world in which differences are celebrated. Let one person know that you see them for who they are, for the story that they have to say, for their perspective. Um, my mom had like one thing she wanted from me. She was an immigrant to, to, to the US and she's like, you have to see the world through other people's eyes. If you don't, you will fail. You have to see the world through other people's eyes. And so she would take us to museums and to galleries 
It was everything as a kid that was just like she tried to help us see the world through other people's eyes. And that would be, um, that's actually what I would say. Like to, to them and to anyone else, like see the world through other people's eyes to the best that they can. Right here. Uh, hi, Joe. Thank you for sharing your stories tonight. Uh, my name is Ming, and I'm an engineer at Bloomberg. So uh, my question is more like uh, Wisco uh, part of the business is a mobile application on iPhone, and uh, uh, the Apple will take the pictures, and uh, Wisco using the preset and the filters to make the photo very, uh, very great. So to this extent, Apple seems like an opportunity partner to Wisco. But uh, as uh, the Apple, uh, they're developing on the iOS, for example, the next week they're going to ship the iOS uh, 13, and they're building uh, more and more uh, photo editing features in their photo applications, and they can now also editing uh, their videos. To this extent, it seems like Apple is more like a challenger for Wisco. So what do you right. see Apple as a challenger and also an opportunity partner? Like, is there any fear from Apple? Yeah. This is my question. So for me, the, the technology side of things of both with Apple, Google, Huawei, Samsung, OnePlus, you name it, um, any OEM, they're continuing to build more tools to, to make creativity accessible to more people. And so for that, I think it's actually really exciting creating just an even larger market for Visco. And I think for Visco, the, the notion of it is not, we're not just in the business of selling tools. It's not a subscription of features to creative tools. It's a member experience. It's a sense of belonging and being a part of something. And so for that, that's why we're hyper-focused on this member experience that we're delivering through Visco, and that it's not just the tools, and it's not even just the community. It's really how we bring that together um, in a sense of identity and belonging within Visco. So for Apple and all that, it quite honestly, it just continues to help business. Um, the photo video category is the fastest growing category on the App Store. Um, it is more and more people are being equipped with devices that take amazing photos and it's creating a sense of awareness that people want to invest in their creativity. Final question to this young lady. Hi, um, so I am part of Generation Z and mental health obviously is very important and it really resonates with us, especially as we enter careers and that starts to be when we're talking with employers, when we're looking at our futures, that's something we want to be very relevant. I was wondering, as a CEO of yeah. a company, how do you take time for your own mental health and how do you make sure that your employees are also able to feel comfortable asking for that and also taking care of their own mental health? Um, you have to lead by example. Um, and at Visco, it's something where we offer a variety of benefits and services through mental health. Uh, we have a wellness stipend um, that initially used to be a stipend that was for just technology. Um, and so it was kind of like for upgrading devices or what you're needing from it. But then we're like, people invest in, or their needs are, are different across the board. So people are using it for ceramics classes. Um, and so there's a variety of different ways, um, but we offer a lot of just really flexible, both from a work environment, um, and, and we talk about it. We talk about it constantly and we celebrate it. And we celebrate when someone is needing to take um, medical leave uh, from, from a mental perspective. And there's not a taboo around it. Um, for myself personally, um, I have to focus on fewer things. Um, and one of the biggest shifts was 
I had to first take care of myself. If I haven't taken care of myself, I cannot take care of anyone else. I then have to take care of my family. If I haven't taken care of my family, I'm gonna walk into every situation thinking about how I'm failing them or not being there and being the best dad or husband that I could be. Um, at that point, I can then show up to be the best CEO for Visco and take care of Visco. Um, and if it's not one of those three things, a delegator say no. Um, and just try and focus as much as possible on that. Um, and it's difficult, but it's allowed for richer experiences in each of those three, in each of those three areas. So, Joe yeah. Flory, co-founder and CEO of Visco, thank you so much. Right, thank you. Thanks for listening, and be sure to follow Tech at Bloomberg on Twitter, like Cornell Tech at Bloomberg on Facebook, or visit the Cornell Tech at Bloomberg podcast homepage to sign up for invites to future events in this series. You can also watch any of the interviews from this event series on Inside Bloomberg on YouTube.